Let Them Lead is a podcast about the risks and rewards of leading today. Your host is John Bacon, author of the book, Let Them Lead, Unexpected Lessons in Leadership from America's Worst High School Hockey Team, which led to this podcast. On Let Them Lead, John talks to remarkable leaders from every field imaginable. Automotive, computers, food service, media, education, and athletics, just to name a few. And they share their hard-won wisdom, amazing stories, and a few laughs. You'll also learn a few things you can use tomorrow, and things you can think about the rest of your life. John always finishes with three takeaways and a discussion of their favorite teacher. In the words of John's fifth grade teacher, Mr. Puddock, it's fast, it's fun, and we get it done. So please join us for an entertaining and inspiring discussion. You'll be glad you did. You can subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please feel free to leave your comments about any and all of the podcast episodes. And by all means, spread the word. That's how the word gets spread. And now here's our latest episode of Let Them Lead, presented by your host, John U. Bacon. Let's take a few minutes with author, journalist, commentator, lots of other titles, world traveler, John Bacon, talk about some college sports. John, thanks for a little time. How you doing, man? I'm doing uh, shockingly well, as I like to say, nothing bad here. So the last time we talked to you, uh, the college landscape looked much different. And probably the next time we talk to you, even if it's tomorrow, the college landscape may look even different again. Talk to us about I mean, look, I'm a traditionalist. I love the old rivalries and the conferences, and that's just been totally blown up and doesn't. Which, by the way, is amusing that he's a traditionalist because he went to Rutgers. But go ahead, Jason. I didn't have rivalries. (laughs) I had to root for the other ones that were out there. So I found those rivalries of the 150 years we've played each other games to be awesome. What is going on in college football right now? Well, I got to say that the Big Ten is the oldest and probably the most stable, certainly one of the most respected academically and athletically uh, conferences out there. And uh, obviously, uh, Jeff and I are Big Ten guys, um, but it must be said, um, these conferences were basically static for almost 100 years uh, until the Big Ten took on Penn State, which I learned later was partly due to Northwestern insurance, if you will. Uh, they thought Northwestern might be leaving, and they were actually applying for the Ivy League and so on. So got to have 10 was the theory. So in Penn State, it made a lot of sense. I, people like that. It, uh, it, it was organic. It's geographic. It all makes sense. And then, of course, and, you know, about 10 years ago, your alma mater, uh, they added Nebraska, and then shortly thereafter, Rutgers and Maryland. And that triggers, again, all, th- all four of those additions trigger a national round of musical chairs in all in all cases the big 10 started it so what's happening now now the big 10 has basically ended the pac-12 the big 10's moral defense if you will is that hey man this is the old girlfriend thing hey man your girlfriend came on to me all right that's <laughs> are they the big 18 now by the way are they still- they, they are the big 18 so thank you on that one jason so big 10 defies both math and geography um, so, and yeah, I mean, UCLA and UCA, USC were going to go somewhere <clears throat> and no doubt as it imploded, uh, Washington and Oregon was going, we're going to as well. Um, but I, I'll give them this much credit. No one this time around is trying to claim this is better for the student athletes. It's not, uh, better for the faculty or the whatever. It's not, um, there's no academic educational impulse here. It's just pure degreed. And my line about that, Jeff, is that greed is undefeated. That's the one thing that you can count on every Saturday. Greed is running the whole thing now. So USC and UCLA wanted more than 30 million a school, I heard. 
And then, of course, and Big Ten wants a bigger slice of the pie. So money's driving all this, and we'll see where, we'll see where it goes. You talk about how greed is driving this, but how does it make sense? It's not just greed. It seems like it's just football. Like, okay. how, how does this how about, make how about sense? football greed? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how does this make sense for the universities themselves? Because how how is the baseball team going to fly between? How is Rutgers going to fly to Eugene, Oregon, and fly to to California, and fly to Nebraska, and afford to be able to do this? Great question, my and we don't know yet. No one's come up with a plan or divisions or how you know women's cross country is going to work or field hockey or volleyball or baseball. I mean, Michigan supports about thirty teams. Ohio State about the same. Penn State about the same. They carry more than anybody, uh, except for maybe Stanford, I think. Um, so that's going to be a big issue. If I had to bet right now, however, they're not. Um, they're going to come up with divisions for those sports, three divisions, and guess what? The four West Coast teams are going to play to their whole hell of a lot. Uh, in baseball and volleyball and so on, and uh, and the Big Ten will do what what it's always done. They're they're not going to throw away their financial gains through travel. That's my hunch there. And also, if you're a women cross country runner, why do you want to travel? I, I guess Oregon's got a lot of appeal for any trackster, obviously. Um, but uh, why do you want to do all that? So I bet they fudge that one. All right. So you've got 18 teams in the Big Ten, 16 teams in the Big Twelve. Four teams just hanging out by themselves now in the formerly known as Pac-10. What happens next? I mean, you've got Stanford and Cal out there. Like, these are named schools that participate in some major college sports. Does the Big Ten try to get to 20 to create those 10 and 10 conferences? Is And then what the hell does the ACC do in all of this? Great questions. As far as Stanford and Berkeley... As I said earlier, no one's claiming it's academic that's motivating this, and the proof is those two. Um, if if academics were even a factor here, you'd take arguably the best state university in the country, certainly one of the top two or three in Berkeley, and Stanford you know, is on a par with Harvard, Yale, and so on. So those guys would never be on the sidelines if academics were a factor here. And on top of that, as we know, but average fan might not, the former Sears Cup, AD Cup, Lear Cup, whatever it's called now, for all sports, Stanford has owned it. It's been around 37, 38 years. I mean, they've lost three or four times, maybe, uh, you know, early on and so on, like a 30-year streak. So you can't say they're lame in sports either. They're better than everybody in, in overall sports. So those poor guys are out of the loop. Um, what happens next to them? They will join Stanford right now as pitching the ACC. I don't know if Cal Berkeley is, and I don't know why they wouldn't at this stage, um, except for maybe even crazier travel. And by the way, Jason, if you want to really offend um, cartographers, map guys, the Atlantic Coast Conference, <laughs> San Francisco Bay. <laughs> My kid's seven. He'll he'll circle that one as the outlier. <laughs> hey, hey, by the way, we have to note this. Mark this day down. This is the first time in six years that anybody's used the word cartographer during our show. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're getting all brainiac over here with That's Stanford. Right. And, you know, as you're telling us, education doesn't matter. <laughs> well, well, there you go. Not in this case. Yeah. So, so, uh, so those poor guys, they're going to have to join with somebody. I think the Pac-12 is going to form in some way, maybe with the Mountain West and call it the Pac-12, because why not, or Pac whatever. Um, they have some money coming their way, is what I've read, uh, enough to get started, $30, 40000000 million among them, to, that fees that USC and UCLA and 
Oregon and Washington are not going to be collecting. So that'll be their side. What happens next? Um, man, um, Big Ten is now saying we're not expanding anymore. Yeah, and I heard that a month ago. <laughs> uh, adamant. They're adamant. We have no interest. We're not talking to anybody. And oh, by the way, two more. Um, so just kidding. Um, look, they're always leave space for Notre Dame. Always. Uh, it's always the dream because it, it, it makes all the sense in the world and almost every possible level. Um, except for Notre Dame, they're wed to tradition. And at this point, you have to give Notre Dame some credit. If greed were the factor, they would be joining the Big Ten. Because no matter how great that NBC contract is, it's not as good anymore as the uh, Fox contract is. Northwestern football, 1-11, will make more on TV deals than Notre Dame will this year. That's how powerful the Big Ten deal is. Yeah, but what tradition is left that Notre Dame is protecting? Notre (laughs) Dame is essentially in the ACC conference. They're the ones that are pushing right now to have Stanford and Cal join there. And Florida, the teams like Florida State and other schools are saying, no, this doesn't make economic sense. It's going to take away from the pie that they already think is too small. So what is noted for, for people that don't understand this, which includes me, I don't I don't really care. Notre Dame can go away. They can get wiped off the map and I would be OK with it. Way to make some fans of the show, Jeff. <laughs> it, it is perfectly Just making friends wherever we go. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Explain what it is that they're, at this point they are protecting other than the tradition of being on NBC. The tradition of being independent. That's the that's part of the DNA at Notre Dame. Now, literally 100 years ago in the spring of 1923, uh, there's a track meet in Ann Arbor, all Big Ten track meet, Big Nine back then, I think. Um, and uh, no, Big Ten. And, uh, and Notre Dame was invited because it's pretty loose back then. There's a dispute over the space between hurdles. And Michigan was you know, battling Illinois for the title. And some say it's six inches off, some say it's two and a half feet off. Big argument ensued. Newt Rockney, the AD at the time of Notre Dame, as well as the football coach, takes Illinois' side. And Fielding Yost says, you will never be in the Big Ten. And the problem is that SOB was right. <laughs> so, and, and Michigan fans don't even know that story. Notre Dame fans all know that story. Um, so this is a point of pride that Chip on the shoulders carefully nurtured. And I had a chance years ago to interview Father Ted Hesburgh himself, the legend who made Notre Dame the you know, internationally acclaimed university that it is. He's the one who leveraged football to make it a, a real university because it really wasn't beforehand. Um, before the 50s. And uh, he said, we're the only university I know of where the students are more wed to tradition uh, than the faculty and the alums. And that stayed, stayed with me. Um, it's a, this, this, the students are going to fight you on this. Um, so, But John, it's not, it's not tradition. No, but they're in, they're independent in name only. They're mm-hmm. they're affiliated with the ACC right now. They play an ACC football schedule for the most part right now. All of their uh, right, all of their other sports are in the ACC. So it's not. It, it's just as much a tradition as saying that the Big Ten is ten teams. It, it's just in name only. So here you go making sense. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, you, gonna work. you need to talk to the Rutgers guy instead. <laughs> John, be careful with the compliments for Jeff on this show. <laughs> well, look, I mean, and also, and why is Notre Dame doing that? A five-game schedule. Okay, Big Ten's not going to give you a five-game schedule. It's all in or not. Right. Um, but for crying out loud, you are an hour and a half from Purdue. You are an hour and a half, two hours, whatever, from Northwestern. You're two and a half hours from Michigan, three hours from Michigan State. And honestly, before 
it all blew up. I would probably argue the South Bend was the geographic, there you go, cartographer, the geographic center of the Big Ten, almost exactly. Um, it's It makes all the sense in the world. You already play all these teams anyway in almost every sport. Um, it's pride. It's pride that does it. So, All right. So you mentioned the Fox deal. I, I mean, this is all money, media rights, but it's all happening among the shifting landscape of viewership. I actually saw this week that linear TV viewing went under 50% for the first time as you see the growth in streaming. Part of the Pac-12 falling apart is that it was an Apple deal that was being presented and they couldn't buy into the streaming nature when they wanted the revenues from a linear channel. So where does this all go next as college landscape keeps changing with the foundation that's driving it, the media shifting at the same time? That's the thing they've not even thought of. And I said this 10 years ago. I'm sorry about this, Jason. Uh, when they added Rutgers, of course, in Maryland. Um, <laughs> lots, lots of people comment on Rutgers in the, in the Big Ten. Well, there is that. <laughs> <You're not alone. laughs> if, you, if you find uh, Killingsworth, by the way, one of your great professors, often gets quote. Quoted. He's an email friend of mine. Um, he does brilliant work. And he says, we've been chasing this money the whole time. We lose $50 million, $100 million a year, every year. And just throw more, they just throw more money at it. It's just crazy. Um, so Rutgers is not winning on this deal, sadly. Um, and what did the Big Ten do? They picked up Rutgers, not for more fans, not for more viewers even. Um, for the $0.80 cents per cable package, they can now bill 20 million people in the New York area. Um, and... At the time, I thought, wait a second, you're doing, you're, you're scrambling a hundred year old conference, all right, for five years, 10 years of cable fees. I mean, how long is that going to last? Um, sure as hell, the Big Ten is not based on the telegram. <laughs> I mean, that would have been a, a dumb business model. Um, so what they're chasing now with Fox, it, it's ephemeral. I mean, how long is this going to last? Five years, 10 years, maybe? And you've shattered at least one conference along the way. So I think it's very short sighted. And Viewership is still going down generally, as we all know, and so is attendance. So they're squeezing this goose too hard, and eventually it matters. Well, you know, you just mentioned that this is just another thing that the NCAA hasn't really thought out. We're, we're now in a year whatever of, of the NIL deals, and that still doesn't seem thought out. Where does that go next? I'm giving a lot of crappy answers here today. Here's another one. I don't know. <laughs> Neither do they, in fairness. But that's the key. But nobody knows. And anybody tells you they do know is lying to you or stupid or arrogant or all of the above. Um, they, they've, they've opened the barn doors, and they don't know what the hell is going to happen next. It's a nuclear reaction that they hope you know stops underneath the Chicago stands in 1944 and does not blow up the whole world. They don't know what's going to happen next. All right. Well, then let me ask you this, then, because you because you mentioned this, I think, the last time you were on the show is the, the struggles of just one, let's talk about one school, Michigan, the yes. struggles of, the, of their NIL and, and the and the friction between the athletic director and the coaches of the two largest teams, the football team and the basketball team have has, has at least that school figured it out or at least started to figure out how they're going to navigate this as opposed to being loggerheads within the organization itself. They just recently announced, like a week or so ago, the uh, Circle of Champions, I think it's called, or the Champion Circle. That's their new officially branded NIL. Uh, we approve this. You know, I'm Ward Manuel, the athletic director, and I approve this message kind of thing. Because they had these scattershot three or four groups, some for, some, some for profit, some not, et cetera. They finally, I picked one group. 
It's well run by Jared Wangler, who played at Michigan. His dad was a hotshot quarterback, John Wangler. Uh, and Jared did pretty well himself. Uh, good guy, smart guy. He'll handle it well. But they're, what, two, three years behind at least, I think, uh, Ohio State. And let alone a lot of other schools that were basically running rum out of speakeasies for many years. And then Prohibition ends. They just open the blinds and say, hey, we're open for business. So, I mean, that NAL transition was much easier at some schools. Let's say I mean, that. I'll claim that NIL exists because it takes so go open the blinds. So. <laughs> exactly right. So, I mean, that and what you've spoken to here, Jeff, at all these points, I think, with uh, the realignment, you know, the conference uh, musical chairs, NIL, TV deals, uh, the upcoming playoff, 12 teams, who's in, who's out, who votes, et cetera, et cetera. An utter vacuum of leadership from the NCAA. Mark Emmert was AOL. Uh, I'm sorry, AOL. A- AWOL. A- AWOL. <laughs> I'm screwing up my, meta, my acronyms here. That's okay. That's kind, of, that's kind of old school now, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no one knows what I'm talking about, do they? So. <laughs> my, my parents in their 80s still have AOL. That's There you go. Um, but, uh, but he was absent. And I thought Charlie Baker, when he got in, was talking a good game and he might take control, but he's been also, he's on a milk carton basically. So, and with this vacuum, who's taking over? Greg Sankey is taking over, uh, the commissioner of the SEC, obviously, and the new commissioner of the Big Ten, Petiti, he's taking over. So college sports, in my view, are basically run by two men and they're not in the Pac-12, not in the Big 12 and not in the ACC. Um, whether that's good or not, we're about to find out. Yeah, and this champion circle, while this may be a good idea, I, and I hope it works as, as a Michigan person, the problem is, is I think it was Texas A&M last week had to shut down theirs. Oh, yeah. So, so, so they're now trying to find solutions to at least make this organized, and the solutions aren't even legal. And to point out, <laughs> it, they didn't have to shut it down. They chose to because this is also new. The IRS ruled that there wasn't a tax-deductible nature to it. Exactly. So they couldn't solicit the money with people getting a write-off. So they realized nobody's going to give. Yeah, donors watch that stuff, it turns out. I'm not in the donor class, but uh, I know people who are. to give, apparently I would care about the fact that I get a tax write-off. I'm a trustee at Michigan Tech in the UP. um, So we deal with development a lot. Man, there you go. Yeah. Michigan, Michigan Techs. Follow me here, Jason. There, way up there. Second thumb. So so for people that are listening on the radio, we're making the little hand symbols that are our version of cartography at Michigan. Yes. Third time today, cartography. There's four. I'm just making Um, faces while they do it. Yeah, you go. So we talk about donors quite a bit. Donors are very savvy these days. Um, They have contracts. They have payment plans, all this stuff, estate lawyers and so on. And if you're if you don't have a 501c3 status or other nonprofit status, uh, they're gonna be well aware of this fact. And you probably will not get much. So Texas A&M had to shut it down amazingly. When Nick Saban is complaining that the NIL landscape and now college football is basically uh, out of control, that gets my attention. <laughs> yeah. He's not the first guy I figured would be complaining about that, but there you go. I'll leave the uh, coaching question about what's going on with your wonderful coach at Michigan uh, for Jeff. I will take it in a different direction of uh, what I think is a larger threat than realignment to college sports is the gambling news that's coming out all around the country. I mean, I I worked in Iowa for years, so I still get a lot of the publications. What's going on at Iowa and Iowa State? 
uh, the players betting directly on the games they were playing in. Yep. Um, the, the nature of how it's been done, sort of the similar things we've seen in the NFL where they're trying to use somebody else's account and say it wasn't me and break it up into smaller transactions. Can you talk about what you view that as a threat to college sports right now? And, and what we're seeing, is this a discovery of what was already going on or a rise in something that was smaller? I think it's both. I think uh, it's getting reported more now than it was three, four, five years ago. But man, I mean, get on any website. What do you see? DraftKings and everything else. It's and by show of hands in my college class at the University of Michigan, most of the undergrads uh, are engaged in this. Most undergrads are care about sports, I should say. Um, so it's it's maybe rampant, rampant and. Jeff will remember a name, Don Canham, the former athletic director at Michigan from 68-88. He's the one who invented modern college marketing. Uh, And Frank DeFord did a big eight-page spread on him in Sports Illustrated in 75. The first guy to put, you know, Michigan on your T-shirts and this kind of stuff and really sell that stuff. He and I became pretty close. And he said, it's not, I asked him the future. This is in 2005, about a few months before he passed away. And he said, uh, college football, college sports are going to make money. Um, there'll be threats about grades, threats about money, but he said, what's going to take it down is gambling. And he said that no five, um, wow. taking a while to get there. But he says, look, if there's that much money sloshing around, when you, have, when you have this imbalance of that much money sloshing around and a point guard, either not getting paid, uh, or getting paid, you know, NIL chump change or a referee making $45,000 a year, um, that guy's a vulnerable dangle a million bucks in front of one of those guys. There you go. And we all know. Once you get hooked as a gambler, it's one of the hardest addictions to break. Um, so the reason why Pete Rose says, I only bet on the Reds, never bet again. So what? Once you're in debt to these guys and ask Phil Mickelson, you'll do all kinds of crazy things that are against the interest of your sport. So this is a real threat. And that could be one of those things that one more straw that could break this back, I think. Well, I can only imagine how many books you have run rattling through your head right now with all of this stuff that's going on. So before we let you go, the elephant in the room, Jim Harbaugh, what is going to happen? Why did this deal go bad? And and, and where, did, where do they go from now, from here? Uh, big sigh for you radio listeners. So in case you're not watching me, um, <laughs> this case is now two years old, which speaks to the efficiency of the NCAA. They got Michigan on four level two violations by their own accounting. And level two is misdemeanors, basically. Level one. And what what were they? Because people don't believe me when I tell them. I know. And here we go. They are. Let's see. You videotaped a practice you weren't allowed to. Um, You had an analyst on the field for two or three practices who was not allowed to be on the field. Um, You recruited during one of the shifting blackout periods during COVID, where all the rules were kind of different and weird. There's two or three days they recruited, try to recruit people. They're not allowed to. And everyone's favorite, uh, Harbaugh bought uh, two cheeseburgers for two recruits who had already signed with Michigan at the Brown Jug, which Jeff and I know well. Um, It's a quality burger. No one's complaining about the burger. Um, (laughs) So the cheeseburger gate, basically. So And Michigan pled guilty to all four of those. Yeah, you're right. And whatever the penalty is, we'll take it. We're not, we're not fighting you, which in itself for the NCAA is a great gift these days because a lot of schools fight you tooth and nail and everything. And, but then they wanted to get Michigan on 
uh, Harbaugh either lying or misleading about these things happening early in the investigation process. Harbaugh is adamantly denying that he ever lied or misled them, and they're saying that he did. So my old joke about this one forever has been the NCAA is great at misdemeanors and they suck at felonies. Um, they're great at jaywalking, but murder uh, could have been anybody. I don't know. <laughs> you know. The same week this came down, by the way, a couple weeks ago, Tennessee pled guilty to 200 violations, including 15 level one violations. They got a financial penalty, but no games for anybody <clears throat> because their attorney general of the state said that if you try to bench us for any games, we're going to sue you and win. And the NCAA ran away. So Harbaugh. So, so is the attorney general of Michigan from Michigan State? Is that where you're going? <laughs> Usually. <laughs> Come on, man. The, the state is run by state grads, not Michigan grads. <laughs> the, the Michigan grads live by you guys. All right. Philadelphia, New York. So you, you've seen them. But anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, so the so Michigan pled guilty and they were going to give Harbaugh four games to sit out, which actually I thought was brilliant because he can have other coaches come in and coach those games, fire them up for otherwise. It's UNLV. It's uh, East Carolina. Look, Jeff, Jason, and I, I, I've never coached football in my life. We're winning all four of those games. By a lot. What was the fourth one again? Uh, fourth one is, right. oh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I bit. Sorry. Sorry. Jeff is uh, so good at that. Never. There you go. Hey, Shannon's a coach you got to watch. Uh, you got to take him seriously. The other ones, I don't think so. But anyway. Um, but then – and I do not know why. And I was on Sam Webb's show this morning. He's an ultimate Michigan insider on his WTKA show. Um, he doesn't know either. So the, it was down to four games for him and one each for two assistant coaches. And that broke down. I don't know if Michigan backed off, the NCAA backed off or what. <clears throat> but now their vice president of the NCAA is breaking his own gag order and trying to spin it. It's not about cheeseburgers. Yeah, it is. It is. It's about cheeseburgers and cheeseburger level offenses by your own scorecard. So it's so like I said, they screw up felonies, they get misdemeanors right. In this case, they're trying to get them on a felony about lying about misdemeanors. So we've gone full circle. Well, uh, I don't have faith that they'll get this right one day. So <laughs> they'll, they'll get to talk oh, about what's, what's going to happen on. next. All right. So now the deal's off, and in January they're going to revisit it. Three things going to happen. One, I think the NCAA can be so feckless by then, so toothless, they won't even try it. All right. Two, Harbaugh can tell them to go take a hike and some other phrases. Uh, some are saying Jim will go to the NFL. I've seen no signs of that this time. The NFL um, has to want Jim. Uh, yeah, last time they did. Denver did. Um, and they, the owner flew to Ann Arbor. Jeff, they oh, want him. Jeff goes through this yo-yo every year. <laughs> He'll hear, won't he? And and we get phases of it. Like, I want him to go. No, I don't want him to go. He's going to go. I can't believe he's going. Oh, he's back. Like, is that is that just going to continue occurring regardless of what the NCAA does? With I our thought it was kind of over this last time around. Oh, one last thing about this whole mess. Uh, because of the NCAA investigation, Michigan is holding up Jim's contact re contract renewal until this is settled. Um, yeah, that he's not going to like that, right? Like he already has had friction with, he, he already doesn't like that. And that's why he was willing to listen to Denver. Uh, that's why he was talking to Minnesota a year ago, a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Um, so what happens next? Trust me. I tell you, nobody knows, but I guarantee you the NCA somehow will embarrass itself further. When Paul Feinbaum, I've been on his show quite a bit. I like Paul a lot. We get along very well, but he does not, not like a Michigan. huge Michigan fan. Fair. Not a huge, nor Harbaugh fan. And he was shaking his head 
100% taking Harbaugh's side of this one. So I think the NCAA is God, now the great Tarkanian quote still applies. <clears throat> the NCAA is so mad at Kentucky that Cleveland State is going to get it. So that's how it works. But John, what's what's next for you? What's the, what's what's the next topic for your next book? Believe it or not, it is the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald, the ship that Gordon Lightfoot wrote about in '76. Uh, it'll be 50 years in two years, and I'll have my book out by then. <clears throat> so I've had a, a, a very fascinating time investigating that around the Great Lakes, and Hollywood seems already interested. We'll see what happens there. Um, and I've also got a podcast, which I always forget to mention, but I finally yeah, have here. your podcast. Let them lead by bacon.com. We've got Barb Equate on there uh, this week. She's often on TV talking about politics, but she used to be a Michigan Daily Sports column, columnist way back in the day. Barb's Barb's was the column. So and, and now got, she's uh, a law school professor. She is. We've also got Jim Hackett, the CEO of Ford Motor Company. Jack Harbaugh's on there and some other Big coaches and good guys. Brad Park's coming up, the old Boston Bruin and Ranger great. So, wow. good stuff. We appreciate you all make, always making yourself available to talk about all this craziness with us. Uh, we also have no faith the NCAA will solve these problems, so we know we'll get to talk to you again sometime about it. Oh, I love you guys, Jeff and Jason. I'll, call, I'll talk to you in two weeks because by, by then something will be dumber. Yeah. Something <laughs> will be dumber by then. Always. always. So, Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, John. You guys are great. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jason. You've been listening to Let Them Lead, a podcast about the risks and rewards of leading today with your host, John U. Bacon, author of Let Them Lead, Unexpected Lessons in Leadership from America's Worst High School Hockey Team. We hope you enjoyed this episode, got a few laughs, and picked up some insights you can use tomorrow and think about for years. Please feel free to leave your comments about any and all of the podcast episodes, and by all means, spread the word. Please join us again for another fun, fast, and fulfilling serving of Let Them Lead.